0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome out to River Ridge. My name's Chad, one of the pastors here uh, on staff. And before we get into the message this morning, we have something really special to be able to do. Um, I'll go ahead and invite Roger and Sherry Payne up here. So, yeah, that's right. Those that you all know the story. So Roger and Sherry, uh, they've been an integral part of here at River Ridge for the last five or so years. And about four years ago... They went on, uh, Roger first, and then Sherry went on a, a, one of our short-term mission trips to Moldova. And through those trips, God has put a burden on their heart that they can't shake. And so over the last year or so, through World Team, who's also our, our partner over in Moldova, uh, they have gone through the paces with them. They've been accepted and now getting ready to be sent over as longtime missionaries through World Team to Moldova on April 30th. Um, And this is something unique for a church. I've never been a part of a church that's able to to actually send out some of our own, so we're super excited to be able to do that. And in Acts chapter 13, we see the first recording of a local church that sends out missionaries from from their midst. Let me read it to us. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. It says, "While While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted, And prayed, they placed their hands on them, and then they sent them off. And we get a chance to do that this morning, to be able to encourage them, to send them off um, as we encourage them and support them. And for those of you that that might be new around here, over the last year and a half or so, we've been in this um, accelerated generosity initiative called Forward. And part of what is given here at River Ridge is going um, to allow us to be able to send them over fully supported on their endeavors over there. So thank you for those that have been faithfully giving. You are a part of sending Roger and Sherry over. Um, We are going to miss them like crazy. They have been a huge part, friends, for the last five years. But we are so excited for what God is going to do in their lives. So, Let me pray for them. God, thank you. Um, Your call on all of our lives is to go and to share the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection everywhere we go, and you send us to the uttermost parts of the world. God, thank you for the honor and the privilege of being a part of your mission, and thank you for the faithfulness of your servants here, of Roger and Sherry, and for them answering the call, and so now, God, as they prepare to leave, uh, we pray that you would encourage their hearts, that you would bless their efforts, that you would bless their work as they go overseas and present who you are to the people of Moldova. Thank you for your goodness, thank you for your grace, and thank you for our servants here. We send them with our blessing in your care. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Mm. Yeah. Let's encourage him. Thank you, brother. So they head out on April 30th, just here in a few weeks, uh, right after the service today over in the Student Ministry Cafe. We're going to have a little reception for them. So if you want to swing by, encourage them a little bit more, pray with them, hear a little bit maybe more about what's going on, join us over there. will be right after the service at, at 1230. Um, so as you saw in that video, we are kicking off a brand new series today called What Keeps You Up at Night? And I, I love that title because I don't know that I've ever met anybody in my life that not, at, at some point in their lives doesn't struggle with anxiety or worry or have these things that preoccupy their minds and keep them up at night. Maybe you're the kind of person that as soon as your head hits the pillow at night, your mind just swirls with worries and it keeps you from falling asleep. Or, or maybe you're able to fall asleep, but then at some point in the middle of the night, you, you wake up thinking about What's going to happen in the coming day? Or maybe it doesn't necessarily affect your sleep, but you think all the time throughout the day. You're constantly filled with worry and concern about what's going to happen. So over the next four weeks, we're going to tackle some of the most common things that keep us up at night. Next week, we're going to talk about how do we deal with difficult people. We all have some folks in our lives that are just difficult to deal with, and the stress from that kind of keeps us up at night. Um, The following week after that, we're going to talk about fear. Whether that looks like the the fear of of being alone, the fear of losing a job, the fear of how our kids are going to turn out. All those fears kind of swirl around in our heads as well. And then we'll, we'll close by talking about making decisions. I know if you're like me, sometimes I get paralyzed by the decisions that I'm facing. And I'm trying to figure out, do I go down this fork or this fork? And we'll talk about that on week four. But today, we're going to talk about something that just about every American deals with, stress. I I was reading some statistics this week, and 48% of Americans say that they lose sleep because of the amount of stress that they have in their lives. One out of three people would say that that they suffer with what they classify as extreme stress, with panic attacks, uh, with heart palpitations, with shaking and whatnot. Nearly half of all Americans feel that their stress levels have gone up over the last five years. And 7 out of 10, this is a staggering number, 7 out of 10 regularly display symptoms of stress, anger, irritability, fatigue, loss of sleep. And those are hard odds to beat. We are one stressed-out people. So what, what is it that causes us stress? Well, every year they, they do a survey, and every year the number one thing that comes up is money. Money consumes our thoughts, whether it's budget or bills or running out of money before you run out of days. It's it's the number one cause of fights in marriage. Strained relationships cause a lot of stress. What do I do with this conflict? How how do I go about forgiving that person? Some of you are here this morning and and you're saying, the reason I'm stressed out is because I'm married. I'm sitting next to my level of stress right now. Others are in here and they're on the other end. It's like, I, I'm stressed out because I'm not married. It might be that you have deadlines at work or at school. I, if, you're, if you're like me, somehow I, I come in every morning and I have like four pages worth of to-do lists. I work all day and then somehow at the end of the day end up with a five-page to-do list. I, but those things, they, they, they just keep us up in mind. You, you add late nights or overtime or maybe you're working a second job and work can really stress us out. If you're a parent, if you have kids, you know what stress is. Each one of them is unique, and you're trying not to mess them up in some way. I, our lives are full of stress. I talk to, to so many people, and, and I've experienced it in my own life, throughout my, my life, that the best description that I have is I feel like I'm running on empty sometimes. And that's what happens when stress lingers. When, when stress hangs around longer than it should, we get physically fatigued. We stay up later than we're supposed to, so we start off the day by downing a couple cups of coffee. And in the afternoon, we hit a couple of things of Red Bull just so that we can stay upright and make our way through the day. And then we get mentally wore out. We get drained mentally because we're constantly carrying around the weight of decisions that that need to be made or bills that need to be paid or, or tasks that need to get done in some way. And then eventually, it leads to spiritual fatigue. That if stress hangs around long enough, you feel like you begin to get disengaged with God and with others. And that's a real dangerous place to be because when we're stressed out, we tend to give in to impulses. We, we tend to have less self-control in our days and we tend to, t- to want to escape in some way. So we just avoid people. Some people, when they're stressed out, they they turn to alcohol or some other drug of choice. Uh, Others will will give in to the temptation towards pornography or veg out on Netflix, in some way just trying to escape the reality that they find themselves in. And when we're stressed out, we tend to favor short-term gains that have long-term costs associated with them, sometimes physically but oftentimes relationally. Life is tough. I don't need to tell you that. And I know for some of you here this morning, You come in here week after week and and you try to put the best face on that you can. But if you're honest with yourself, you would say, yes, stress has eaten my lunch. But God, as our heavenly Father, doesn't want to see the lives of his children get wasted away due to stress. His desire isn't for us to, to live these stressed out, frantic kinds of life. He has so much more in store for us. And the point of the message this morning isn't to give you three ways to radically eliminate the stress out of your life. That would be impossible. Some stress is unavoidable as we live in this broken world. Jesus said it this way in John 16. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, using our phrase here, stress is going to happen. And God's solution isn't to take away the stress, but that in the middle of your stress that you can have peace, that in the middle of your stress you can have a capacity, a reserve of strength to be able to stand your ground. So this morning as we dive into God's word, we're going to take a look at a familiar passage for a lot of folks, for some of us in here. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is now in the middle of his ministry, and the crowds are always pressing around him. So he decides to take a little break, and he heads to the house of Mary and Martha for some rest and for some food. And I think what we're going to find in this passage are a couple of principles for those of us that would say, my life feels a little bit overwhelmed right now. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So we have Martha here who's taken it upon herself to prepare this meal for probably 15 or 20 people that have suddenly descended onto her home and she's busying herself in the kitchen and she's trying to get all the things prepared around the house but she's doing it by herself because Mary is over there sitting at the feet of Jesus trying to catch up and hear what kinds of things he's been doing in the in the previous days and the longer that she does this she's getting more and more frustrated with the fact that she's bearing bearing this weight by herself. And in my mind's eye, I kind of think of her in the in the kitchen, and she's probably throwing the pot around, trying to make a little bit of a noise, clearing her throat, <clears> throat> giving the death stare to, to Mary, saying, come on, chick, get it together. Can't you see what I'm doing over here? And, and finally, she gets so frustrated and because Mary's either ignorant of what's going on or oblivious or doesn't care. She turns to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, this is unfair. Don't you see what's happening here? I'm doing all the work, and my sister over here is doing nothing. Can't you do something for me? And, and my tendency is to agree with her. I think that's, that's a pretty honest assessment of what's going on. And I would think that Jesus would oblige her request and say, Hey, Mary, hey, can you help your sister out a little bit? But that's not what he says. Look at what he says in verse 41 says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So Jesus turns to Martha, and I, I think we need to hear the correct tone here. He, he's not frustrated with her. He's not condescending in his tone toward her. He's compassionate. One translation actually renders that phrase, Martha, Martha, as my dear Martha. He wasn't mad at her. He wanted her to be to be able to see what Mary had already seen. He was inviting her to a new way of life, a way of life that is less stressed, that is less overwhelmed by all the things that she felt like she had to do. And God is calling us, and he is inviting us to that same kind of lifestyle. I think a lot of us can relate to the description of Martha. Um, Luke says that she was distracted by all the things that she felt like she she needed to get done, and that as a result of all these distractions, she was worried about many things. So let me ask you, how, how many things have your attention these days? How many things are distracting you these days? I think for so many of us, it's the pace of life that creates the stress and the tension that we feel Uh, We have all these responsibilities, all these things that are pulling us in a thousand different directions, whether it's committees that we decide to sit on or coaching or things going on with our kids. We feel like our lives are constantly getting pulled in a ton of different directions. I think an analogy that that might illustrate this for us, um, I I still do this to this day, but as a kid, every time I got a balloon, the first thing I do, I I made up this game. Probably everybody else has played it too. You, You just try to keep the balloon off the ground, right? Easy to do with one. But what we try to do is we try to juggle all the different tasks in our lives, and we're constantly trying to keep the balloons from hitting the ground. But eventually, they end up falling to the ground. What we, what we think we can do is that we feel like we can multitask. But multitasking is a myth. What we really do is we just switch from one task to another. Our brains can't do two things at once that, that really matter. And so we spend just enough of our emotional energy, just enough of our physical energy to barely get the balloon off the ground again. And then we run over and do another one. And all the while, while things may not be quite fallen to the ground, we don't feel like we're thriving in any of them. And what ends up happening when we are juggling, trying to juggle all these different things is we end up being distracted away from what matters most to us. And we feel like we're failing the people that we love the most which just adds even more stress to our shoulders. You can't do everything that you're trying to do. The pace of life that we are trying to live as Americans is unsustainable, and we have to be willing to let some of these balloons hit the ground. So if the pace of life is what is causing you to feel stressed out, then the way to find rest in these stressful times, if you're taking notes, is to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. I think our plates and our lives are so filled with so many different activities that we can't see what we were created to be and to do. And until you come to a place where you can say, I'm going to find out what my life is really all about. And I'm going to focus all of my time and all of my energy chasing after that, you're going to burn out. You're going to chase after all these things that don't line up with how God wired you to be. And it's just a matter of time before... You feel that. The, the cure for busyness, the cure for overscheduling is to search and discover God's purposes for your life and then to urgently chase after that once it's been shown to you. L- listen to how the psalmist puts it. In Psalm 90, verse 12, he says, Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This verse is a reminder of something that we don't want to be reminded of that our days are numbered, that our lives have definitive bookends to them. All of us have a limited amount of time, and we don't know how much that is. And this is not meant to be, it shouldn't be, depressing news for us as believers. We, we should be using that fact to leverage our time, to give us focus and direction in our lives. The psalmist says that living as if our days are numbered actually gives us wisdom I will make wiser decisions within the context of recognizing that there is a set number of days that I have to live. I will make better, more intentional financial decisions, career decisions, relational decisions, parenting decisions. It's living with the weight that your days are numbered that drives you to find what God's purpose is for your life and then to live intentionally to chase after them. Because Once we realize, if I only have a few years left, I don't want to waste it chasing after the wrong thing. But so many people wander through life not knowing or ignorant of what God's plan is for their lives. And that's why we're trying to make it easy for you to discover this. That This principle of living with a sense of purpose and urgency is really the heartbeat behind the Next Steps classes that we're offering. We want you to learn how to connect with God and to connect with His church in a meaningful way. We, we want you to know how to how to grow your faith in Him, how, how to read the read your Bible on your own, how to have a, a dedicated prayer life, how to get connected with a group of people where you can really be known, where you can be real and experience authentic community. And then we want to help you find your way onto a serving team around here. I, that, that brings so much clarity to your Sundays. It, it, once you begin... Serving with other folks, it reinforces this truth in Scripture that says that we are all ministers and that we are all called to make a difference in the lives of people. And if you get on a team that is actively trying to, find, trying to make a way for people to meet who Jesus is and to give their life over to Him, I promise you that your stress will go down because you will be living out part of the reason why God has created you, to love people into His kingdom. We want you to discover your path and your purpose here on life. And all we ask that you do is give us three Sundays. Starting today and then for the next couple of weeks, we're going to offer these classes, but we're going to keep offering them. So hop on whenever your your schedule allows, but make it a point to try to get to these three Sundays so that you can get some clarity about what God has called you to do. Because once you know why you're here, and, and once you realize that this is the only life that I have to accomplish it, It makes it easier to figure out what needs to come off your plate. It makes it easier to figure out which of the balloons that you're trying to juggle can actually hit the floor. It makes it easy to say yes to some things and no to other things because we can run it through this grid of saying, does this activity, does this responsibility, does it contribute to my purpose or not? And then I can make a decision on it. But if you're like me, we'll we'll forget this. We'll forget this idea that my days are actually numbered. We don't want to remember that. And we'll start living like our days are unlimited. And once we feel like we have this unlimited number of days, we'll begin to waste our days. But I think a great way to keep this principle in front of us is to regularly take an inventory, to take some time to stop and to evaluate and to make some adjustments in our lives. God gave us the gift of the Sabbath so that we can rest and so that we can reflect and make some changes along our path in this life. And one of the best things that you can do when your Sabbath on a Sunday is not just to come to church and call it a day, but to go home and have some more Sabbath, some more time with God to rest and reflect. So maybe what that means is you find, you carve out a 15-minute section of your Sunday afternoon and you begin to pray over your schedule for the upcoming week. And you go to God, you say, God. Would you remind me that I have fewer days remaining? Would you remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is brief? And in light of that, and in light of the plan and the purpose that you have for my life, am I doing the right things? Does this schedule make sense? Or are there some things that need to come off of it? God, I need your help with this. I I need your wisdom To make these kinds of decisions. And I promise you that that is the kind of prayer that God loves to answer from His children. Some of us are stressed out and we are overwhelmed because our pace of life is pegged and we need the clarity that comes with purpose and urgency. But for some, it's not that. We we all are tempted to say, no, the reason I'm stressed out is because I'm so busy. But if you're binge watching whole seasons of Netflix, it's probably not a pace of life issue. It's A priorities issue. When Jesus was talking to Martha, he said to her, "Mary has chosen what is better." It's this language of priorities. Jesus is saying that there is a better way to live that comes when you have your priorities straight. Here's the second principle. If you're taking notes, focus on what matters most. We know this intuitively, right? That there are some things that are just more important than other things. That, that need to take priority in our lives, that show up in the way that we schedule our time. So we have to determine who or what is most important and then make sure that we put first things first. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6. He said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, all these other things that we want to do in life will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying, find a few things that matter and then do them first. There's nothing wrong with doing some things that don't really matter. I mean, at the end of the day, there are some things that we do just for pure fun, enjoyment, sports, hobbies, whatever it is, but we just can't do those first. We can't get those, we can't put those first on our schedules or things start getting crowded out. So the question that we have to answer is, what matters? What matters most? We need a filter or a grid to answer that question. Here's the question that I think gives some clarity to this. Will it matter 100 years from now? Will this thing that's going on, will it matter 100 years from now? And I think that's a powerful grid if we will use it because so many of the things that stress us out, that overwhelm us, that kind of take up a whole lot of our mind space, they really won't matter 100 years from now, will they? So what does matter? What, what is it that needs to take priority in our lives so that we are putting the kingdom of God first in our lives? Let me give you three things. The first, if you're taking notes, is that God matters. My relationship with my creator, my relationship with my heavenly father matters immensely. And the best way to make this a priority, to make, to make this priority very practical in your life is to devote the first few minutes of your day to him by meeting with him in a time in his word and in prayer. Because it's like saying to God, the priority of this day is you. And so I'm going to give you the first few minutes, the first few thoughts of my day as a way to recognize that you are first in my life. Here's what I found in my life. And as I've talked to folks, I think a lot of you would resonate with this. When I begin my day by meeting with God through 15 minutes in his word and through prayer, I I find that as I work through the day, I worry less. But I've also found the flip side to be true as well. If I oversleep for some reason and I I don't have time before I leave the, the, the house to get into his word, I find that my day starts off to this frantic pace and I find myself worrying more and getting stressed out more. Isn't it true that the first few moments of the day tend to set the tone for the rest of the day? So why not devote to this practice? Reading for about 10 minutes in his word and then spending five minutes to either journal what he taught you or praying about what he just taught you through his word is the singular practice that has given me more peace than anything else in my life. I think like Mary, we need to find some time where we're just sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him and listening to his voice. If you're looking for some help on what that might look like, You can shoot us an email but you can also go onto our website under the next steps tab and there are some ways for you to get into a reading plan and really make this a concrete application in your life the second thing that matters is that people matter people matter because they will be the only things that end up in heaven I think that's why Jesus summed up the entire bible by saying here's the command that you need to follow love God and love people Love your neighbor as yourself. That is to be the the focus of our lives, the focus of our existence. The, The way that we build bridges into others' lives is by loving them, loving them right where they are and earning the right to be heard, earning the right to be able to share the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done and the way of redemption and reconciliation to God. And then once they have placed their faith in Christ then we patiently love them and we stand beside of them until they mature in their faith and can finish the discipleship process in somebody else. That is what we are called to do as God's people. And when we understand the priority that God has placed on loving people well, then I think it changes the way that we view interruptions from people. I I know for me and my my type A personality, sometimes I get so task-driven that one of the things that really stressed me out are, are interruptions from folks that are popping, popping in unexpected. And, and what I'm learning to do is that instead of stressing out over that, that I try to look for God in that moment. And as they're coming in, I'll pray this prayer. God, I wasn't planning on this, but do you have something in this moment do, do you want something from me to them? Do you have something in this conversation, in this interaction, some way for me to encourage them or to be encouraged by them? Because at the end of the day, what's most important is not that I get everything off of my to-do list. God, what's most important is that I honor you with my time and with my day. And then lastly, the, the third thing is that eternity matters. Uh, as believers... We have to keep reminding ourselves that this world is not our home. And and I need to lower my expectations of earth. If you raise the expectation that everything has to work out here in this world, then you'll stay stressed out. This world is broken and it will leave us disappointed and frustrated and heartbroken. And I need to keep my eyes and my heart focused on eternity. And I know for me this past year, this idea of keeping an eternal perspective um, has been more central in my thinking than any other time in my life. And one of the passages that has brought me clarity, that has brought me comfort uh, since we lost Katie six months ago, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me read this to you. Paul says to me, says to us, are you stressed out? are you heartbroken said so therefore don't lose heart though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. Paul tells us, listen, in this world, you're going to have pain. You're going to have sorrow. You're going to have heartache and stress. But we have something in store for us that makes this world's problems pale in comparison. They look light and momentary. And man, I... I look forward to that day. And God says that in the meanwhile, keep your eyes focused on heaven. Keep your mind set on eternity. That's what we are created to do. We we need to give our lives to things that will last forever. You're going to wish at the end of your life that you did things that made a difference for eternity. So what is important to you? Who is most important to you? And and what would it look like in your day? What would it look like in your week to prioritize correctly and get the first things first? What would have to be rearranged to make sure that the priorities that matter, that your relationship with God, that the way that you're pouring into people That your thoughts and your mind are focused on heaven and on eternity. What would need to change in your schedule to make that happen? Because here's what we find out today. If you get the pace of life right, and if you get your priorities right, then you'll find that you have more peace and more joy when the stress of life happens, when the storms of life happen. Let me pray for us. Father, we confess that we tend to gravitate towards just a frantic and hectic pace of life, and we just chase after too much. And if we're honest, we're we're like Martha, where we're distracted by so much, and it leaves us worried and stressed out about many things, but God, in your love for us, you have said there's a better way. There's a better way to live this life where your perspective is right, where the pace is right, where your priorities are right. So God, we come to you and we we need your help. Help us to discover that purpose that you have for us, Give us some clarity on what that looks like. God, remind us that our days are numbered. Man, that brings a lot of clarity and a lot of wisdom. God, help us to remember that we are finite human beings and that this world and this life is not the end, that there is something waiting for us. But in the meanwhile, while we are here, give us a sense of urgency to accomplish the things that you want us to accomplish. And then God, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to put first things first. To focus our time and our attention and our energy on growing a relationship with you. on Pouring into the people that you bring into our lives. And in keeping our hearts and our affections set not on this world, but on heaven. God, thank you for your grace that allows this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming out, everybody. We'll see you back here next week for part two.